So in technology, we like to talk about platforms and the platform play, which seems to be much more grandiose and, and impressive than just a single bit of software. But this platform concept is really interesting, particularly in healthcare as well, because you can have a platform that's a bit like a ecosystem or like this comprehensive resource. In a healthcare setting, it could be from a patient side to be able to access information about their health or to book appointments. And from a clinician side, it could be to access information so they can do their job to learn as well. And so in this final episode of the Luminar X Showcase mini-series that we're doing on the Talking Health Tech podcast, you'll hear from two founders who are building platforms in the health space with different technologies doing different things. So you'll hear about using Web3 and the metaverse to build this immersive environment for people to be more active and engaged in their own healthcare. And that's where you'll hear from Benson Riddle from Stitch. And then in the second conversation, you'll hear from Caitlin Sapia of Eduvid with their MedLearn platform, helping clinicians knock off their continuing professional development, their CPD, in a more fun and engaging way. So lots to learn from these upcoming episodes and hear the journey that the founders have been on so far and where they're heading. Well, let's go. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. First conversation in the show is with Benson Riddle from Stitch, which is a metaverse health marketplace for health providers to work in a user-centric environment with decentralized data shared on a highly secure, medically compliant blockchain. Here we go. Benson, tell us about you and your background, please. Yeah, well, I've got a long background in medicine, but also in filmmaking. I'm a I've also gone to afters and done film directing. So, uh, and I've done medicine for over 20 years now and did general practice. But I, I guess with my interest in filmmaking as well, I've kind of always been at that sort of interplay between medicine and, and technology. And uh, probably over a decade ago, I really sort of started to get into telehealth back when it was very early days and, and we all thought it was going to be the next big thing and really take off. But uh, hmm. it didn't until something called COVID came along. Yeah. And is that what's brought you to what you're doing now? Not really. It was just an opportunity. It was kind of, the other thing is I've got another health tech startup that's around using deep learning to help solve some sort of medical imaging problems. And part of the, I guess, what Stitch is doing is solving problems that I've had in my professional life as a doctor, as well as problems that I've had with my startup Elixir. And that's mm. one around, I think, improving and making not just telehealth, but the health system itself working a lot better. And then certainly with Elixir, you know, we found the ever increasing problem of trying to get hold of medical health data to help create some of the AIs that we're trying to create. So Stitch is kind of our way of bringing it all together. Yeah. You mentioned Stitch and Elixir. Tell us a bit about what those things are. So as I said, Elixir is my previous startup. We're working away at that in the background. And as I said, that's more of a, a deep learning for medical imaging. But Stitch, the seed of that came last year and, and me and my co-founder for Elixir, uh, Dr. Joe Logan, and another legal friend of ours came together and uh, put Stitch together. And Stitch is about healthcare in the metaverse, um, cool. but that can, you know, sound a bit buzzwordy and it kind of make it sound like, you know, just trying to launch off the, the concept of the metaverse, but it's really more than that. It's more really utilizing Web3 and all the benefits of Web3 to help change the way that we practice medicine, I think. And the metaverse, it's kind of the paradigm shift, I think, 
that allows you to start to go, okay, in a way we're kind of being able to start again, right? So let's create a healthcare platform in the metaverse. And this is where we can start to utilize all the other benefits of Web3 and make health actually start to work. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a good point around there's, yes, of course, the metaverse brings a lot of hype around it. And then it's like, well, let's bring the conversation back to reality. However, having those conversations about the potential and the future, and like you say, the ability to build in an entirely new way or think about the problem from a different perspective, that has a lot of value and merit in it as well to then kind of bridge that gap to then bring it back down to what's actually practical on a day to day. So how do you find that yeah. work of being conceptual and big thinking, then bring it back to what you know as well, which is being clinical and what's needing to be done on a day to day. How are you finding bridging those two things together? Um, I guess it's the way that we're doing it is we're, we're trying to start it off quite simple. As I said, I'm a GP. I have worked for a lot of telehealth companies and practices, and it's part of New South Wales health at the moment. And so what we're trying to do is, okay, let's just start by doing a very basic telehealth offering but in a more immersive environment that, that the metaverse can offer up. So that's the simple thing. And let's just focus on trying to bring in some patients who are interested. And at the moment, you know, there's certain demographics of people who are really interested in the immersive worlds and the cliches, you sort of, your gamers, your Gen Z millennial gamers. Cool. And that truly is the people that are going to be the early adopters of something like this. And interestingly, McKinsey just released a report in the US. So we're looking at the sentiment behind the metaverse and just to make sure, is it hype? Is it real? And there was a lot of really interesting insights in that to show that it's not just hype and people are quite serious about this and consumers certainly in the States are quite serious about this. And to their surprise, the second most common thing that they said that they wanted to do in the metaverse after shopping was engage in health. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was kind of a shock to us. We have always felt that that is where things were going, but we didn't quite realize that the sentiment was already up to that. But COVID just, I think the stats are, you know, the amount of telehealth consults in the US prior to COVID and compared to now, it's 38 times more now. So COVID accelerated telehealth and now we're like, okay, well, how can we, what's the next step? How can we make that even better? How can we make that even more immersive? How can we start to utilize all these wearables and internet of things, devices that people have got all this other information? How do we sort of bring it all together so that when you can have a consult, you can use all that together mm. and you can use the immersive environment to help explain and educate patients a lot better. It's kind of putting it all together in one. And so initially we keep it simple. It's about, let's just make a telehealth consult, but in an immersive environment, and then we'll build from there. And that's where we want to start looking at, you know, really creating a true platform where we can utilize Web3 like blockchain and things like that to help store patient data, safely and securely share patient data for good use. These are the things that are in the future. But yeah, you're right. I think as doctors, well, me and Joe are both doctors. Um, Joe's also got a PhD in AI, but as doctors, we sort of kind of get, okay, let's just keep it simple for now. Let's just start with the clinic and then, but we have that bigger vision. Interesting. And so, you know, from a patient's perspective, when you say it's like telehealth, but more immersive, is it like a telehealth consult with a virtual reality headset on is, or am I oversimplifying it? Well, um, I, I guess the thing with the metaverse is you don't necessarily have to be wearing a virtual reality headset. I think people often equate the two and they're not necessarily the same, but certainly if you are wearing a VR headset, I've got an Oculus and I've been um, using it quite a bit lately. You you can just see that the possibilities are endless and, and it's quite amazing what you could imagine you could do in a consultation of that way. So, but you don't need to, you can join the metaverse in more of an immersive way, just online. And we're very much aware that at the moment, the technology is such that 
adoption of, of VR headsets isn't quite there yet, but we know it's coming, but that's not a barrier at the moment to be using it, that's for sure. So that's encouraging being able to just access the metaverse online. Is that just engaging more with a platform, like a web platform, and then utilizing some other tools like remote patient monitoring device, like Internet of Things devices to be able to send some data, to be able to get some more meaningful insights from, from that platform? Yeah, obviously, if it comes to the having a VR headset, it means that you are, I guess, truly going to be able to utilize all the capabilities of a much more immersive environment. But it can certainly be done online. And it will, yeah, that, that's the idea. It can bring all those things together mm. in a way that I think conventional, you know, Web2 internet can't really do. I guess Web2 really is all about content and Web3 is really all about, you know, creation and sharing. Yeah. It's interesting that you raised that point about, you know, this desire from people to access health in the metaverse. And there's a level of irony, I guess, there in terms of, you know, in a virtual reality space, wanting to access healthcare for their own physical self. What does that actually look like? Is that looking to access more information about healthcare, like be able to access different clinicians and advice that they wouldn't otherwise be able to access? What are the types of healthcare things that people might want to have access to in the metaverse? Well, I think when we say health and our long-term vision, it's not just to be able to have a consultation with a doctor or sort of any other health professional, but I guess there's, there's lots of other ways that people want to consume health. So people, as you said, they want to get educated. People might want to go to health presentations and talks, conferences. People want to be health product consumers. So they want to go out and, and buy an increasing number of sort of health products that are out there. And there'll be more and more sort of devices that people will be able to buy to have at their homes to help monitor their own health, to feed that information to their doctor's devices so that examinations can actually be performed in your home by you with a device that'll go straight to your doctor. So there's a lot more scope for that. So I guess when we're saying a platform for health, we're not just talking about the traditional consultation. We're talking about all the other things that ways that people want to engage with health now. Um, medical research, clinical trials, all that sort of can be conducted within a more of a metaverse environment, an immersive environment, and also that sharing of data in a much more secure way with the patient owning it. And then potentially the patient also, at the moment, patients give up their data to create products, pharmaceuticals, and they don't really get any benefits from that. But potentially with blockchain and smart contracts, there's a way for people to be much more involved in getting something back for the data that they're sharing as well. So there's multiple ways, but ultimately the consultation is where we want to start. And we've all realized, I think most people in the last two years have, would, would have had at least probably one telehealth consultation. You realize how much can actually be done over the phone or video. I know as a doctor how much I can do and how much I can arrange for people and sort things out and even know what's going on without physically having to touch them. And in the future, that's going to be even more with more devices that people can have at home. There's already people who have devices that, you know, you can basically, your kids can have a full examination of their ears, nose and throat at home. Um, go straight to the doctor. So, and these are not just a convenience thing, but these are things that are going to be incredibly beneficial to people who don't live in the city like most of us do. People out in rural and regional areas, really remote areas, and certainly then, unfortunately, people in parts of the world who don't have good access at all to healthcare. So, all this is going to make that more accessible. And I guess you often hear the word, you know, democratizing healthcare. Sounds great, but I guess it's really about just making sure that everybody has an opportunity to get good healthcare. 
Yeah, I agree. And wh- where are you at? Like, what stage is the the organization at? Are you still building the platform? Have you got patients using it? Where, where's Stitch at? Yeah, so look, we've obviously just been accepted into the Luminax Accelerator, and so we're working on our early demo right now, and 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 looking into how do you design a best sort of virtual immersive consultation experience. You're not bound by everything that you're bound by in the in the real world. The doctor's waiting room and the doctor's consultation room can be completely different, and it can be done in such a way that's going to improve people's health and improve their mental health. So we're really in that the early days of designing how this looks, what it's going to be, and and what we're hoping is that uh, in the next few months we'll be able to start providing some sort of early types of health consultations, even if they're just second opinions, and getting people used to, I guess, what the healthcare in a metaverse environment can offer. Some of the longer term vision that's that's over the next few years, but I think we'll be able to do some consultations in the next few months. That's exciting. And just like you said, participating in the Lumina X program, going through this current cohort, what are you hoping to get out of these these sessions as and participating as one of the the groups? Oh, you know, Lumina X have been putting up so many great people for us to learn from across all the different areas. And look, as I said, we've got another startup and um, so we've been through some of this before, but you're still learning things all the time and everything's changing. Mm. Startups and how they operate and how they get a foothold, that's evolving too. So we're certainly learning things here that we haven't learned previously. And it's just the opportunity, the opportunity to get on platforms like you guys, the opportunity to get in front of, they've got such a great network of uh, within the health sector but a a network of people who want to use technology and who understand that health needs to use technology otherwise it can't survive in its current format we can see how COVID has brought it all to its limit and it's like okay we've got to change this so the contact to people within health who are early adopters and who are innovators already some of the connections that we've received and the help that they're going to provide us and further connections and they can give us is great Next up, you're hearing from Caitlin Sapier from EduVid. You're going to hear about MedLearn, which is their online continued professional development learning courses hosted on a white-labeled CPD compliance platform. Some really interesting stuff. Let's get stuck into it. So, Caitlin, firstly, tell us about you and your background, please. Absolutely. So I'm actually a second-time founder. I have a background in education, healthcare, software engineering, and sales. So I like to do it all, you know, jack of all trades, master of none type situation. But more importantly, I was actually diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2018. So I'm a second-time founder because I went through the healthcare system, I went through the journey, and I found that, you know, in terms of education and dealing with my disease in particular, it was very hard to get a diagnosis. I was actually dismissed and misdiagnosed and almost missed out on getting the treatment that I needed. Uh, And I only had a window of 12 months to get on that treatment without ending up in a wheelchair. So to me, education and healthcare needs to be better. I only got to the place that I got to and the prognosis that I got to because I felt like something was wrong. If it was left up to the clinician at the time, I would be in a totally different situation. And that is not their fault. Clinicians are super time poor. They have to keep all of this clinical knowledge in their head, which is quite difficult. So yeah. What a journey to get to this point then, which leads to what you're working on now. Tell us a bit about Edgevid and what it is, who it's mm-hmm. for, what problems it solve. 
Yeah, definitely. So off the back of education, I wanted to understand how healthcare professionals were educated and one of their requirements, if I take a nurse, for example, is continued professional development. So they have to do a certain amount of hours per year to keep up to date and compliant with APRA and to maintain their license. And so I thought, oh, what a perfect opportunity for them to learn things outside of their mandatory training. For example, like rare diseases or like innovative therapies or innovative ways of doing other practices within the healthcare system. So I looked into how effective CPD is. And from my own research, it seemed to be quite a tick and flick exercise, which is unfortunate. It would be kind of an exercise where like a uni student, it would be towards the end of the audit year, which is a, it's kind of like the end of financial, but CPD, and you'd see quite a big spike in kind of crammed training, which as we probably know, is not going to lead to positive improved clinical outcomes because you're not going to really remember that information very well. So we've kind of set out to find a way to integrate better CPD into a healthcare professional's life, being able to do their CPD while they're driving to work, while they're cooking dinner, while they're in the break room, finding those moments to kind of, you know, embed that best practice clinical knowledge in bite-sized pieces. So we've kind of created products like the Netflix for Nurses interactive podcast where you can drive to work and basically be asked a particular clinical question that you can answer and then you get a CPD point if you answer it correctly and looking into adaptive learning as well so that we know that someone's actually learning from the training versus doing CPD, answering some multiple choice questions and then you don't actually know if they, you know, if they've learned what the clinical education was. So yeah, that's more what we're doing really, becoming that on the go clinical knowledge for healthcare professional. It's a really interesting space, the one where there's so much knowledge that needs to be firstly just obtained and then retained and recalled for mm-hmm, clinical mm-hmm. people, whether they're mm-hmm. nurses, doctors, anywhere. And the amount of new information continues to get larger and larger. So yeah, I think looking at different ways that this information can be consumed in a way that is more meaningful than just, like you say, ticking a box for licensing requirements and ensuring that you stay valid. So that sounds interesting. How do people actually use the platform? Is it an app? Is it a web-based thing? How do they access Mm -hmm. this content to be able to then utilize it on the go? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. So right now it is very web-based, but a lot of our Revenue is is about transforming that into an app and uh, a very mobile experience. So yeah, currently a web app. It's still fairly mobile, but there's a lot of improvements that we can do on that. But at the moment, you would go to the website, for example, sign up, and you get access, unlimited access to all of the content. And yeah, you can keep all of your certificates and any sort of compliance information within the platform as well. And ultimately, we want to be aggregating content from partners that we believe are the high content standard that we have so we can scale that education. We also want to have, you know, an ability to very easily plug in CPD certified events. So for example, conferences having a QR code at the conferences so that they can just put it in a digital portfolio in addition to the online education that we do as well. Mm -hmm. So we want to 
you know, connect all those dots of what a healthcare professional does throughout the year and mentoring as well and having kind of like a QA function because a lot of healthcare professionals learn from each other. It's not just about these like courses and pieces of information, but it's about healthcare professionals educating each other. So yeah, there's a lot to do when you think about how people learn. It's not just about giving them information. It's about having that interactivity and communities of practice as well. Mm. And where's it at at the moment in terms of the the product and the solution of people using the platform now? Yeah, so we have 2,000 nurses in Queensland that pay for and use the platform for their CPD requirements. And I just got back from London. So we're looking at the UK market as well. We've got um, a few major partners over there that we're wanting to roll out kind of our, our next version of the platform. Uh, and training because UK requirements and US as well, they're actually like a UK, US company, you know, there'll need to be some repurposing from an Australian offering to that. Similarly, New Zealand clients as well, we need to repurpose. So yeah, we're generating revenue, which is good, but we certainly have big dreams to grow that. Yeah. Keen to learn about that in a bit, but I'm also interested in the content itself. So you coming from a, mm -hmm. a patient's perspective, which is you know, fantastic and thinking about how these clinicians are learning, but how do mm -hmm. you, you feed the beast to make sure that content's always mm. um, kept up to date, not just yeah, up to definitely. date, but engaging and interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So it's all down to our network of subject matter experts. So we have, you know, some of the best educators in Australia right now who are undertaking content creation with us, which is great. And we also have, we basically created like a learning framework and a filming, I guess, content framework as well that we set up at the start because it obviously started with the problem and then how do we design a solution to achieve what we want to achieve but I still think it's in its infancy even now and amazing to be on talking health tech you guys are you know obviously the leader in you know podcasting in the healthcare space so we're always just trying to learn and even partner with really great content providers to do that as well. It's a nice thing to say. I appreciate the the, the challenge that is, is the, the <laughs> well, we can keep this conversation going. No, uh, I think that, uh, you know, the quality content side is really important. So the fact you've got those subject matter experts that you're working with and Absolutely. always looking at how to make it engaging yep. and interesting, because like you say, you're working on that yep. mission of, of capturing mm -hmm. busy people whilst they're doing other things, but also encouraging them to use a platform, not just because they need to, but yep. because they feel like they might learn something about an issue that might not have otherwise come up in their usual education. Yeah, totally. We'd love to be kind of like the Duolingo, like TikTok of healthcare information, while obviously having everything that we put out there being of evidence-based and accurate for the clinician as well. But how do we make it just a bit more fun? Yeah, much needed. And so there'd be a lot of people listening to this conversation, whether they're clinical themselves because they know how to, to use a podcast, but also for other institutions that might be mm -hmm. uh, recruiting or supporting those staff members. How can they learn more about platform and get involved? Yeah, definitely. So we're talking about a registered nurse. They can go on to our site and sign up uh, and meet their CPU requirements by using our platform. And we have literally the, the cheapest offering in markets, $10 a month, or they can pay as little as $4.49 per month to get a limited piece of the library as well, which is awesome for nurses who I feel bad that they have to pay for their own CPD. So we tried to make that as cost effective as possible. But when we're talking about organizations, so we work with healthcare recruitment firms, 
nursing unions and we're in the later stages of working with universities and hospitals. And so the way that we work with them is one of two ways. So either we have a direct relationship where they pay for the service and then we offer that to their staff and we co-create content with them as well. It's not just an off-the-shelf library, but we actually customize that for any sort of content that they need within their organization. Or we have channel partnerships where they offer our service to their nursing audience. For example, in a nursing union, when a member signs up, they can opt in for our CPD as well. So, mm. And then we do a revenue share with that channel partner as well, which is honestly pretty amazing in terms of the revenue that they can generate. One of our channel partners generated, I think it was around 200000 in additional revenue by partnering with us over a two-year period. So mm. um, yeah, it's pretty lucrative if you know you do it right. And we, we think we have a pretty good system in terms of sales and, and how we go to market with channel partners too. So yeah, two very good ways of partnering. Absolutely worth a look. Nice. And then so what is on the horizon? What are you looking forward to setting out to try and achieve over the next 6, 12, 24? Yeah, definitely. So in the next six months, we're actually actively undertaking a capital raise at the moment, pre-seed to build out more of the on-the-go platform and also to work on additional content for kind of the rest of the healthcare team because we focused a lot on nurses just as a first pass. That capital raise is half a million. We pretty much have it filled already, but I'm always keen to talk to more investors and people who are really passionate about the medical education mission. 12 months, I think, yeah, is kind of that UK expansion and getting the content and, and partners for the wider healthcare team, GPs and paramedics and, and all that fun stuff and social uh, and support workers as well. And then 24 months will be interesting because we want to go beyond healthcare. So if we can nail an engaging education framework, there are so many other professionals that have to meet CPD requirements, such as lawyers, accountants, engineers, you kind of name it. There's, I think, 700 million professionals in the world that need to keep their CPD requirements. So, you know, the opportunity is massive if we can bring to market something that's quite different to, yeah, the usual kind of boring learning modules unfortunately <laughs> totally and that's it for this final episode in this talking health tech illumina x showcase mini series that we've run for the past five or six episodes hopefully you've enjoyed hearing from those founders that are going through the illumina x program check out our website to make sure you follow along on their exciting journeys and all the cool stuff they're doing Thanks one final time for 3M for all the support in making these episodes happen. If you haven't gone back and listened to the previous episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, have a listen, and as always, reach out, give us some feedback, tell us what you like, tell us what you want to hear next. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com. <laughs>